Hello, welcome to the Highland Church Podcast. Well, let's just continue in God's Word this morning. Uh, Today, the verse that I'm going to start us off with comes from the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. Well, more towards the end of it. Uh, Picture this. So you have tons of people on a hillside looking up at you, listening to you speak. That's what Jesus would have experienced as the crowds had come out to hear this, this prophet, this, this man that they, they, like, is he the one? Is he the one? He's sharing many of the most well-known phrases of all of world history. Like, you know, you can talk to people who aren't followers of Christ, and they might tell you to take the plank out of your own eye as you maybe critique them on what they're doing. Or, or maybe you have um, people telling you as you're worrying about like, how you're going to do something a couple years down the road. Like, and Jesus is saying, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow has enough troubles of its own. Or even in the Lord's Prayer, in, in Matthew chapter, I believe it's 6, as he, as he shares the Lord's Prayer. But as he begins to wrap up his message to those who are present, in Matthew chapter 7, verse 7 and 8, he says this, Ask, and it will be given to you, Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be open. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that these words would not just be some cliche things that we've heard over and over again. But Lord, that, that we would understand this is truth. Lord, open our ears to hear what you have for us. Open our Eyes to see what's in your, in your word for us today. I will praise in your name. Amen. So as we enter this weekend, I love, I, I love snow. I'm sorry. If you don't like it. Yeah, Sherman. Uh, when we lived in Colorado, when it would snow on like October 3rd, I was so excited. And then when it would snow in May, it was great. I love it. So like today, the fact that it's snowing is perfect because right now we are officially in like the holiday season, like Thanksgiving, Black Friday, the shopping season is on. And like, you know, Thanksgiving's in the past, so our eyes are on Christmas and there's snow on the ground. How much better could it be? Um, but there's, there's sales ongoing, or really they've been going for a while. Uh, stores are, are filled with people. People are getting ready for this, this big holiday season. People are traveling. This uh, Yesterday afternoon, we drove my mother-in-law back down to Madison so she could fly home to San Diego. She was with us. See, people are they're traveling. They're going to see family that they don't typically see. This morning, we likely have people in this room who don't live in the area normally. And there's still, I know there's a lot of people that would normally be in this room who are out of town visiting family in another city. There's meals that are being shared around big tables with way too much food being served. Like, we're, we're at a time of the year where we're all living in, a, in like, eager expectation of what's to come. I, I love this. Like, we live in a state of expectation because we know at the end of this season, we're going to receive something we've longed for. We're going to receive something that we've been seeking. Uh, my kids know that they will receive gifts from us and our extended family that they will get to open on Christmas Day. Way too many gifts. <laughs> My kids, um, and really as a kid, that was the day that I waited for more than any other day. Even more than my birthday, because see, I'm letting you know right now, my birthday is December 23rd, just keep that in mind. But 
I, I looked forward to Christmas more than any other day because when I was a kid, I realized that I could game the system. And I could have my parents combine the two. So when there was something big that I wanted, when there was something expensive that I wanted, I could use that to my benefit. And there were two gifts that I used this on when I was, uh, I think I was 11 and when I was 12, or 12 and 13. So two gifts, two gifts that I eagerly awaited for. And the first one was in 1997, I remember looking through the Toys R Us catalog. See, I know it was 1997 because I was curious. So I actually found the catalog I used to look through on on the internet. I'm not going to put it on the screen. I don't want you to be distracted by the Toys R Us catalog. But I remember seeing this beautiful gray machine, and it cost $199. And it was the Sony PlayStation. And I wanted it. I had played it at my cousin's house earlier in the year, and my sights were on having one of my own. And I got it. (laughs) And I was so excited. And then back, you know, like, my parents got it for me, and they got me some games. But they didn't get me a memory card, so I couldn't save my games. It was, it was, I know, I see some, some people who are around my age, they understand. Uh, it was a hard thing. But I got what I had been longing for, and I was excited. And then the following year, um, I was really into BMX, like building dirt jumps in my backyard. We, had, we lived on a hill, so we would ride down the hill and build a jump. And I remember one year, I don't know why my aunts and uncles allowed this, we built a jump at the bottom of the hill. It was during, like, 4th of July, like, party we had. And we were seeing how many of my cousins we could jump over. So, um, most of you'll know, like, Christopher and Eric and, and Katie. And yeah, we were seeing how many cousins we could jump. And we did. And they let us. I don't know. It was different back in the day, I guess. Um, but I got that BMX bike on one year. And I was so excited. I had been anticipating this. All my friends had BMX bikes. We built jumps at my house. And like, because I would use their bikes. And I was so excited once I finally got my bike. And I was out on my driveway um, trying to do a wheelie and see how long I could ride the manual. And I fell and like I ripped up the back of the seat like 20 minutes after I got the bike. But I didn't care because see, I was so excited that I had received what I wanted. I had been longing for it. But see, those things that I had been seeking for, that I had been eagerly anticipating, um, they, they gave me some good times. For a couple years, as all my friends didn't have cars yet, we would ride those bikes all the time, but once we got cars, like, we just stopped. <laughs> um, the anticipation, see, that I had for these things, like, the, the memories that were made were amazing, but that's all that they were, or that's all that they've become, I should say. They're just memories. They haven't lasted They were fun at the time, and I'm not saying like it's not good to anticipate a gift that you're going to receive because I'm thankful for those times that I would ride around Plano, Illinois with my my friends and break into the the BMX track and ride it like two in the morning. Like it was fun to do back then. Don't do that. But it was fun. The anticipation, though, that I had for these gifts was incalculable. But now that I've looked at my life up until this point as a 37-year-old, like the impact that they've had on my life is really... It's marginal. The thrill has faded, and what I had anticipated and sought after so long turned into trash. That PlayStation that I originally received is somewhere in a landfill in Illinois. Um, my BMX bike, I, I took it with me out to Colorado when I was at my first youth pastor job out there. It's in a, it's a, landfill, it's in a landfill somewhere outside Colorado Springs. Like, I, what I had hoped would be my career as a 13-year-old is now in the trash somewhere. Like, it, 
I fell a lot. I wasn't very good. But they, the, these things that these things that I put so much expectation and they would be like what I wanted to do or or with the video games, like I would dive headlong into these role-playing games, that these stories that were just immense. But really, it's all just come down to nothing because those were grid stories, but they, those things that I had longed so much for didn't bring me any life. It all just came to nothing. But there was something else that, that I sought after in the fall of, I'm guessing it was 1999. And... Um, there was something, though, that I saw after in these years, these years around the time where I got the PlayStation, in the years around the time that I got my BMX bike, there is something that I saw after that is still with me to today. And that is what we're going to go towards this morning. Because, see, so many of us live in a, in a form of eager expectation about what we want to do with our future, about what we, um, how this next job will transform us, or Man, if I just take that class, like, it'll give me, like, the knowledge to understand the world around me. Or, or maybe, like, you know, this relationship I'm in right now isn't so good. Maybe I should go after another one. And that person will change me into the man or woman that I want to be. See, we think that so many of these things that we want to do outside of Christ will bring freedom. That these things will bring us joy. That these things will bring us, like, happiness. Maybe for a moment. I loved my BMX bike, right? It brought me joy for a time until it broke, and now it's in the trash. My PlayStation brought me joy and excitement for a time until the disk drive failed. And what we think will bring us joy and hope and fulfillment outside of Christ will eventually fail us. We find that those things that we're looking to do without Christ is going to lead us to to Nothing. We spend so much of our energy doing these things to bring hope, to bring joy. But when we lay our heads down at night, if we're honest with ourselves, we know that it doesn't, right? Like, we know that when we, when we go after these things that aren't Christ, we know that when we go after these things that aren't him, it's not going to last. It's not going to satisfy. I, I mean, working with the youth, I've, over the years, I've started to follow a lot of them on Instagram and, and different social medias. And I see the things that they're running after, the things that, that, a lot of them think are going to bring them joy, but it doesn't. We're going, we, we look for anything to give us a fix, anything to make us feel like our life matters. But so many of us are seeking for it in the wrong places. We have a world that has become enamored with things that do not bring life, but only lead to death. We have a world that thinks, including many of us in this room here today, we have a, we have a world that is seeking for fulfillment for hope in the things of this world instead of in the one who created it. So my question for you this morning as we go into our time today is what are you seeking this morning? What are you eagerly expecting? See, what are you placing your hope in today that you think is going to sustain you tomorrow? That's my question. Like, What are you putting your hope in today that will sustain you tomorrow? Is it a friendship? Is it a relationship? Is it a hobby? Is it your job? Is it that you're going to make so much money that you don't have to worry about anything else? I say this all the time in youth group. Those things can disappear in a flash, but there's one thing that can never be taken away from you that you can have starting today. There's one thing that you can place your hope in. There's only one thing that if you were to seek after fully, that it would sustain you forever. So this morning, what we're going to do 
All right? We're going to look at a few different instances where people in the Bible were waiting for something, where another person put their hope in something, or they were curious about it. And what they find is that that something that they were looking for did not leave them wanting. We're going to look at somebody or a couple people who waited their entire lives until they were elderly to see the thing that they had been seeking for. Another who was reading and wanted to know more. And finally, we're going to look at a man who understood that, that it wasn't about him. It was about who was and is and is to come. So what we're going to do is we're going to start with Matthew chapter 7, the ask, seek, and knock, right? Because today I believe that if you are to put yourselves in the shoes of the people we're going to read about today, and you start asking some of the questions they ask, if you start seeking as they sought, and if you start knocking on the right doors, you're going to come to a conclusion that you will find will satisfy you. So my first point today was this. Seeking takes time. For the first story we're going to look at, um, if you have your Bible, if you can open up to the second chapter of the Gospel of Luke. I have been in this Gospel a lot this year. The teens, you probably your Bibles, if you bring it to youth group, should open right there. Um, we're going to be in the second chapter of the Gospel of Luke. Here we have a story that you likely don't read very often. Um, if I told you the name Simeon and Anna, what'd they do in the Bible? A lot of you who've even grown up in church probably would have no clue. Because, see, this, this story is kind of sandwiched between, um, like, like, Jesus has just been born. The shepherds have come to see him. They go off saying all this good stuff. And then we usually, like, skip over to uh, one of the other gospel accounts and talk about the wise men who come to see Jesus. We don't go to the second half of Luke Chapter 2. So in this story, again, Jesus has been born. Shepherds have come. Um, he's about a month old at this point. If we were to look at what the Levitical law was for a woman to take their child to the temple. Like, so she was a, Jesus was about a month old at this point. And as they enter the temple in Jerusalem, we come to the passage we're going to read in Luke chapter 2, verse 25 through 38. So we're going to read that together today. It says this. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, next slide, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after, their marriage, after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying, coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child. 
to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. So here we have the count of two people. These people are described as advanced in years, right? Two people who have felt a call from God to seek him, to worship him, to follow him. Simeon uh, was waiting a long time to see the fulfillment of what God had told him he would see. But that wait did not stop them. There's an interesting case study to be found in these two people. Simeon, an old man, well advanced in years, and yet what we see from this account is that Simeon, is that the waiting that Simeon had to do did not dictate his trust in God. He had been waiting to see the consolation of Israel. He had been waiting to see the Messiah. And he trusted the Lord as the Holy Spirit and gave him the, like, told him to go to the temple that day. He listened. Not see, like, he probably had his own timeline that uh, he wanted God to come through on. He's like, I've seen the baby, I can die. Like, he, that's pretty much what it said. And uh, he believed, though, and trusted God's word that it would come to be. And, and I like that this passage, it, it, uh, it says in, as it's talking about Simeon, it says that the, the Holy Spirit was upon him. The phrase here was the same phrase that was used for like the Old Testament prophets. Like, the Spirit of the Lord was on him to do what he did. So Simeon, this man who knew God's word, had the Holy Spirit upon him, believed and trusted God even until the end of his life. The circumstances didn't change his faith, the pain of probably getting older. Like, we don't have the medicine, they didn't have the medicines we have now. They didn't have the things, like, age did not change his faith because his faith was built on the one who never changes. Then we have Anna. Anna's a wonderful woman, married for only seven years before her husband dies. As a widow in those days, that would have been a life of destitution. But she sought after God for decades now, worshiping him through it all. The pain of the loss of her husband didn't taint her faith, but it solidified it. I mean, it had probably been over 60 years at this point, or close to 60 years since her husband had died. And in that time, she could have allowed her faith to grow cold, cold grow callous towards the things of God. Like, God, why have you left me a widow? God, why have you let this happen to me? But instead of letting it shipwreck her faith, she drew close to the Lord. Now, day and night, night and day, we sing that song. Day and night, night and day, let praises arise. We sing that song. That's what Anna was doing in the temple. Every day, worshiping the Lord. Day and night. This wasn't on her first day that she got to see the Messiah. It wasn't on her 50th day that she got to see the Messiah. It wasn't on her 10,000th day. It was likely closing in on 15,000 days that this woman, if, if we were to go by what Scripture says, had been in the temple, worshiping, praying, fasting. See, in these few paragraphs, these three paragraphs or so, what we see are two people who were drawn by the Spirit of God who come into contact with the incarnate God, Emmanuel, God with us. One who was drawn by the Holy Spirit on this particular day to go to the temple courts, and another, an 84-year-old woman, who spent night and day in the temple praying and fasting. In the case of Anna and Simeon, we have people who place their hope and trust in God, and what they find is that they were not let down. They sought the Lord their entire lives, never gave up, never stopped asking him, never stopped seeking after him. And they become some of the first people to share the good news of who the Messiah was. And now let me tell you this. For a woman to be proclaiming the, that the Messiah is here, 
in the temple courts. Women, you can share what God has, has placed on your heart. See, it can be hard when you're struggling to follow Christ at times, when you see someone who's just given their life to the Lord, full of passion and desire to serve him. But I want you to hear today, if you've been following Christ for a long time, if you are like an Anna or a Simeon and you've been following the Lord for decades, and maybe things have kind of grown stale, has grown cold, continue to seek him. Don't give up. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. See, these two had the knowledge, they had the wisdom um, to see what was before them. As they're in the temple that day, Simeon instantly recognizes who this baby is. Anna recognized who this baby is. But before them, they they see this. But the next person that we're going to look at, um, he needed the scriptures explained, so that's the next point. Sometimes, or some need it explained. So in the passage we're going to look at next, it's in Acts chapter 8. And um, the passage we're going to read, so the church is growing. It's exploding. So Jesus now, obviously, has lived his life, his ministry. um, People were flocking to him, you know, the Sermon on the Mount, all these teachings through the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But now we're in Acts. And the church is growing. It's exploded in size. But persecution has also hit. People are coming after the Christians. People are coming after the the followers of Christ, so they're being dispersed. There's a diaspora. like They're spread out now over this region of the Roman Empire. But as they're being spread out, people are sharing the good news of Jesus all over the place. And there's a man named Philip, who an angel tells to go on the desert road between Jerusalem and Gaza, which is fitting. Um, And that's where we're going to jump in. So in verses, um, so we're going to have this verses up on the screen. It says this. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked. Well, how can I? He said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, he did not open his mouth. In his his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very verse, or the very passage of scripture, and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, look, here is water. What can stand in, my, in the way of my being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again. But he went away. He went on his way rejoicing. What an amazing story. Like, this Ethiopian man was a follower of, 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 the, of the God of the, of the, of the Israelites. He, he was a believer in the God of Israel, but he had yet to come to faith in Jesus as his Savior. He was a man who had a knowledge of, of, of what God was doing. He had a surface understanding of what Scripture meant. But he's wanting to know more. He's wanting to know what these Scriptures really mean. He was a man who was seeking the truth. 
But on his own, he was struggling to fully grasp what the text meant. He's seeking. He's asking questions. But until this day, the door had yet to be opened. This story is great because here we have a man who wants to know the truth and understand. And then we have this other man who knows the truth and wants to explain it. It's wonderful how God works. We, we live in a world where people are wanting to understand why the world is the way that it is. Why there's so much pain. Why there's so much hurt. Why there's so much devastation. Why there's so much destruction. See, we live in a world where people are wanting to know if there is even a meaning to this all. And there's so many messages coming their way and they want to understand. They want to understand about what this all means. See, we live amongst the people, especially here in central Wisconsin, who know about Christianity. Like the churches that are empty most of the year are going to be packed as these coming weeks, as we come up to Christmas. We live amongst people who know about Christianity. Maybe they've even followed Christ in the past because of parental or familial pressure. But maybe there's something that's happened to them that now they've kind of stepped back. Or maybe they never really came to understand the truth that is found in these words about the Savior upon the cross or the Holy Spirit who can live within them to empower them. Some of you in this room maybe have some sort of expectation or a longing in your heart and you don't know how to place it. You're grasping for anything that you think will fill it, anything that will fill that hole, anything that will fill that pain, anything that you don't know what to do with. What I want you to know is that today, that expectation can only be fulfilled in Christ. No matter that pain you've gone through, he can heal it. No matter the abandonment that you've felt, he can take care of that. He can heal you. That thing that you're longing for, that thing that you're thinking will give you that, that drugs will fill or this relationship will fill or this whatever it is that you're trying to fill with, it can only be fulfilled in Christ. And I know all of our, if we were to be honest with ourselves, our life experiences bears fact to that truth. That anything else that you're seeking outside of Christ may feel good for a moment, but it leaves you wanting. So maybe you're like this Ethiopian man who, maybe you know that there's a God. But today, what you need to know is that this God, who's the name above all names, so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. See, I, we stop there, but I, someone I think in this room needs to hear that God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. He's trying to save you from going down that wrong path. He's trying to save you from the direction that your life is in that's, that's only going to lead to death. He is asking you to turn from those things. He is asking you to stop sin, sinning. He is asking you to turn, for, turn from that. But it's because he knows that that other way will lead to death. He didn't come to condemn you. He came to save you. And that saving requires you to turn. Turn from those things. See, God loves you so much that the penalty he paid for you on the cross you simply need to turn to him and allow him to fill that emptiness in your life and turn towards Christ. Because see, that's what we do as believers. The final point is um, we point people to Jesus. An early example of this comes in Jesus' ministry. Um, there's a man who we learn about right around, uh, he is born about six months before Jesus. 
Because uh, when we hear about Mary going off to visit her cousin Elizabeth, we see that Elizabeth is in her sixth month of pregnancy. So that Jesus and John the Baptist are about six months apart. So this man that we learn about, he plays a, a large role in the beginning of Jesus' ministry. So in um, Luke chapter 3, we see John the Baptist out in the wilderness baptizing people. And as he's baptizing these people, like people are starting to murmur, like, hey, is he the Messiah? Like, is he the guy that we should be following? They sense that something's different about this guy, but they don't know what. So in Luke chapter 3, verse 15 through 18, it says this. I think I just said chapter um, 15, or verse 15, but it says, the people were waiting expectantly and were all wondering in their hearts if John might possibly be the Messiah. John answered them all, I baptize you with water, but the one who is more powerful than I will come, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. See, John recognized that something about the people that were coming to him. He recognized that they were seeking something. He recognized that they were starting to look to him as possibly being this Messiah that they had been waiting for. And we live in this world where people are looking to build a following. We live in a world where everybody is looking to rack up follower accounts on their social media. But when somebody comes to understand who Jesus is, they go from building up their own following to pointing those to who is greater. I, be careful over this next year of people as we go into this election year. Whoever, I'm, I'm just saying, be careful of those who are trying to build their own following who's saying that they're the only ones who can fix it, that they're the only ones who can bring the solution, that they're the only ones who can fix the problems that are plaguing our country. None of them can. Only Christ can. Sorry, that was off topic. Um, see, see, John the Baptist, as he has all these people coming to follow him, he could have used that to his own means. And people throughout history have done just that. As there's charismatic people who are able to draw people to them, they, t- they tend to use that to their own ends. He could have pulled people in to follow him, but that's not what he did. That's not who he was. He knew that his role was not to do anything else but to point people to the one who was coming next, the one who was about to step onto the scene. John's job was to point people to Jesus. So in John chapter 1, um, I'm going to read John chapter 1, verse a good portion of it here. But in the very first chapter of the Gospel of John, we see exactly what John's role is and was. So it says this, John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. John had a role that he played in God's plan for the world that was prophesied about. But we also play a role in the world that Jesus commands us to do. See, we are to point people to him and reflect him in this world. We are to love people like Jesus loved. We are to care for people like Jesus cared for them. We are to bring dignity and respect to people who are down and out. To love the ones the world looks down upon and then to go and show others how to do the same. 
Matthew chapter 28, verses um, 18 through 20, the Great Commission, where it says, Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. We're really good at taking those verses and looking at the therefore go. And we stop there. But what we're called to do is to make disciples. To point people to Jesus. Not to point them towards us. Not to even just point them towards our church. But to point them to Jesus. To baptize them. To teach them to obey everything Jesus has commanded them. See, we point people to him. We teach about him. We baptize people. We do all of this not for our own good, just like John. We don't do it for ourselves. We do it so that others can come to know the truth, that others can come to know that the things that they are seeking outside of Christ are going to fail them, but a life lived for Christ will sustain them. So this morning we started with a very familiar passage, Matthew chapter 7, verse 7 through 8. It's going to be up on the screen. It says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. So uh, a couple weeks back, uh, Pastor Nathan kind of introduced the well-worn path of what it looks like to be a follower of Christ, what it looks like to grow in your relationship with the Lord. And he's going to talk more about that in the coming year. But there's people in this room that are on all different places of that well-worn path. Some of you in here have a very well-developed relationship with the Lord. You, you know that you shouldn't go after the things of this world. You're always seeking the Lord. You're always praying. You're always, if there's something that's worrying you, you give it to the Lord. Like, if that's you, awesome. Awesome. Share it. There's people in your, there are people in your life that were you to take the time to strike up a conversation with them about faith, questions would come flowing out. What better time of year to sit down with somebody and just ask them a simple question like, so, so what do you think about Jesus? Like, what do you think about this whole Christmas holiday? If you're a follower of Christ, take the time to sit and talk with people. There's, around, there's people all around you who are knocking on all the wrong doors looking for the answers that you have. Introduce them to Jesus. And the worship team, you can start to make your way up. For others of you, you're new to the faith, or maybe your foundation has been rocked by something that has happened in your life. Maybe it's the loss of a family member, loss of a spouse. Maybe you have a cancer diagnosis that nobody knows about that you're just, I don't know what to do with this. Maybe you have church hurt because you've been a part of a church where people hurt you. James 4.8 says, draw close to the Lord and he will draw close to you. No matter what you're going through or have gone through, he knows. And he wants to be with you through it. Jesus, no matter what you're going through today, no matter what storms may come your way, Jesus is the answer. If you build your life upon him, you will not be let down. And finally, maybe you're in here today and you have found yourself running from one thing to another, hoping that it will give you the fix that you're looking for. Maybe you've been hurting yourself to just to feel something because everything else that you've done in your life has just numbed you. Jesus has come to heal you. You've been seeking to find something that will fill you up, but you found yourself on empty. 
the running around isn't working, you're tired of it, today's the day, right now is the moment, fulfillment that you're longing for, that you've been looking for, you've been seeking after, is only found in Jesus. The thing that you've been eagerly anticipating is a relationship with Jesus. You don't have to wait any longer. You don't have to wait that somebody will come and save you because guess what? He already has. He already did. He already paid the penalty for your sins upon the cross. And he's waiting for you to simply turn to him. That's the good news. We don't have to do it because he already did. The good news that we read this, year, this time of year is that, is that the God who created the heavens and the earth came to dwell among his creation, Emmanuel, God with us. But not only that, but he gave his very self as the perfect atonement, the perfect sacrifice for our disobedience, our living for ourselves. What we couldn't do for ourselves, he did. While we were yet sinners, he died for us. And now he invites us into a relationship with him. Not for our own sake, but also for the sake of all that we come into contact with. We get to be conduits of blessings for those we come into contact with each and every day. So that thing that you've been longing for, that difference in your life that you're eagerly expecting, isn't found in like new technology. It isn't found in a different job. It isn't found with more money. It's found in Christ. Today can be the day where you stop knocking on all the wrong doors and you finally open the one that leads to life. Romans 10, 9 through 13 says, If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It says, Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Today, if you want to call upon the name of the Lord, if that's you, if you want to declare that Jesus is is Lord and believe in your heart that he was raised from today, today can be that day. If you feel that Holy Spirit tug on you, maybe you don't know what that is. Maybe if you're just feeling like just, I don't know what's going on. I believe that's the Holy Spirit working in your life. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, we're just going to close in a time of prayer. I have a simple question for you. Is that you? Are you saying today is the day that I'm going to surrender to the only one who can save me, the only one who can fix this brokenness within me? If that's you today, we're going to take a couple steps. That's what, here's what we're going to do. First of all, if that's you today, I encourage you just to just slip up your hand, just make a physical thing saying, hey, I need to stop running after the things that I've been running after. I need to turn to Christ. Thank you. Thank you. Next, if you or maybe how about all of us, if you could just repeat this prayer after me today. Dear Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. Forgive me. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I turn from my sins and invite you to come into my heart and life. I want to trust you and follow you as my Lord and Savior. Amen. If that's you on our connection cards, there's a spot about halfway down that says, Today I. I encourage you to just fill this out. And in a few moments when the offering bags come past, just drop this in there. Come talk to me. Come talk to the prayer team. We want to help you grow in your relationship with the Lord. But seeking takes time. Sometimes it's going to take a while for you to, to see what you... We believe God has for you. Maybe it's going to take a whole life. But draw close to him. He will draw close to you. Sometimes it needs to be explained. And so many of you in here have, have what other people are looking for. Take time to sit with them and share it as we point people to Jesus.
So as we move into, uh, just as we close the service today, we're going to go into a time of, uh, of <laughs> um, uh, we're going to worship here as we end our time together, but there's a couple different things I need to point out as we, as we do that. Um, but I, just, I feel like I need to pray. So dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you for these people in this room today. Lord, I thank you for, for what you're doing in people's hearts. For what you're doing in people's lives. And Lord, I just pray right now for those who have a relationship with you. That they would take time to sit with those who are seeking. That they will see those around them who have questions. That they will see those around them who are going after all the wrong things to fulfill that longing in their heart. And Lord, they would point them to you. Lord, I pray that this week would not go by where, where any one of us would not have an opportunity to share about you. Lord, I pray that every single person in this room, every single follower of you, would have an opportunity to point people to you this week. Thanks for listening, and please join us each Sunday at 10 a.m. for our worship service.